This is Bruce Pritchard, and I love another wrestling podcast. It's time for uh, another wrestling podcast. Podcast. I'm Jonathan Benjamin. And I'm Steve Credo. And this is episode number 33. We have been pretty busy lately, Steve. And how busy were we? <laughs> we were so busy. No. Um, but in all seriousness, we are just hot off the heels of Northeast Wrestling's first annual Hammerlock Awards. I know we had a great time there. We got to present two awards steve did you ever in your wildest dreams think that we'd be doing that i did not uh think we'd ever present awards at an award show for wrestling uh that's that's pretty big way way to start off the new year with a a big event like that yeah not to mention that um i don't have a bucket list per se but if i did having howard finkel announce our names would probably be at least top five on my bucket list. That's right, man. I mean, I think you, you don't you don't know you made it until you hear Howard Finkel announce you in a room full of wrestlers and wrestling people and personalities and stuff. So that was that was pretty good. I got some goosebumps on that. We, we, you know, Howard Finkel saying our names. What what, what better can we do? Yeah, uh, we had we met a lot of great people out there. Uh, some old friends, some new friends. So if you are listening to us right now and uh, you haven't heard from us before or you know we met you then then uh you know thank you for listening yeah guys thanks for listening and uh jonathan we just put up on our youtube we put an exclusive video of a a red carpet uh video before the awards we got to talk to some of the guys out there give them the thoughts on what they thought they were gonna expect at the awards show you know we got uh velvet sky hardcore icon ron zombie we got actually the tag team champions for northeast wrestling ron zombie and bull dread we talked to uh brian anthony uh, jimmy preston uh big jim anderson you know all those guys a bunch of people we talked to on the red carpet uh we're also going to talk to the to some of the winners of the award uh the hammerlock so stay tuned for that on our youtube page um but yeah check it out guys we we just posted a video today uh 
and yeah, you'll see some uh, some stuff that was happening. I just have a quick question. Uh, we have a YouTube page. We do have a YouTube page. Uh, we have a Facebook page. We have a Twitter page. We even have an Instagram. But Jonathan, instead of reading over ten thousand links of social media, just send them to the place that is the mothership of another wrestling podcast. And hey, it's anotherwrestlingpodcast.com, people. We're even on we're even on prowrestlingtees.com. Did you know that? Did you know you could go out there right now and buy a t-shirt that says another wrestling podcast, Jonathan? I did know that and it made for great Christmas presents this year. Uh, lots of my friends and family got them and they were wondering to themselves, what is another wrestling podcast? And luckily for them, the name and the website were on there so they could find out pretty easily. So a lot of great things that have been coming up uh, for us. And 2014 was such a great year. I don't know how we can top it, but we're damn sure going to try. Uh, I don't think we even need to try because I think it just comes naturally to us. Topping the past show with the present show and so on and so forth. I mean, 2015 is going to be, I think, the year of AWP. Yeah, and you know what? Today we're really kind of going with that. Uh, we're going with a bang today. We get to talk to none other than you may know him as Brother Love or Bruce Pritchard, but we're having it, it's the same guy. So he's going to be on today to to kind of talk about what he's been up to lately, what he's done in the past, and we hope we can find out a little more info about a, a certain um, signing that he has coming up on Royal Rumble Day in Philadelphia. I love you. That's a horrible impression, but that's kind of what he did. Pretty much told people that he loves them. I, uh, I love... I don't know. I love you too? Uh, it's the love show, I guess we can call it. Um, Yeah. It was, It was. you know, it was what it was. It is what it is. It, it was. Yeah, what no, it was. It was, a, it was a. It was a good. It was a good try. You gave it the college try. That's it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what another great guest we have this week. But he has a big, a big appearance coming up on uh, J- January twenty fifth down in Philadelphia. He's going to have. I'm calling it the Great Debate. I don't even know if it has a name, but it's Bruce Pritchard, Eric Bischoff, and Chris Jericho having a little, uh, you know, debate about the Monday Night Wars and pretty much, you know, how both sides took it. Uh, so, hey, we're, we're going to talk to him before he even shows up there. So uh, stay tuned, guys. We're going to have Bruce Pritchard in the studio coming up. So, Jonathan, uh, we've talked with wrestlers. we talked about wrestlers. We've talked about, you know, certain situations. We talked about the Attitude Error. We talked about... What did we talk about? Well, I'll tell you. If you go <laughs> back and listen to some of our other shows, you you would know what we've talked about. You think I haven't been here for the past uh, six months, maybe? Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> no, we've talked to pretty much about everything that you can talk about um obviously there's there's a never-ending supply of things is there what what do, what do you want to talk about today i'm going to say it's it's dealer's choice jonathan the one thing we really haven't talked about are talk shows i mean what better place to talk about a talk show than on a well i guess you can kind of call this a talk show uh but not as what we want to talk about. I mean, some of the most famous talk show segments ever from Piper's Pit, The Peep Show, The Brother Love Show, Hello, The Snake Pit. Uh, there's tons of more we're going to be talking about. But do you remember these? I mean, these are pretty much a staple in pro wrestling. I mean, talk shows on a wrestling show are pretty much, you know, 
a, a thing, you know? That that's pretty much it, it's it's a thing that keeps the the world of wrestling going, you know? Like having interview segments of uh famous guys who had their own segments, I guess. I don't really know how to put this all together, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I think that this has been as long as there's been wrestling, the interview has been a way to kind of get to know another wrestler in a different level, maybe introduce another wrestler. Um, there's been makeups, there's been breakups. It's all happened on these interview segments. And I know in my head right now, I've got like at least like five top five moments for things like this. So uh, it'll be interesting to talk to you and see which ones, you know, meant the most to you. Um, I think what I'm going to do right away is I'm going to talk about one and I don't think it's going to be one that you're going to, you're going to talk about, but it's fine. Um, the snake pit. Now, Jake Roberts had this and I remember it being kind of a creepy. It looked like a cave and there was like a cauldron and there was kind of smoke rising out of this thing. Um, are you, you're, you're familiar with the snake pit, correct? I am familiar with the snake pit, Jonathan. Glad you asked. Yeah, so <laughs> the Snake Pit for me was probably one of my favorites just because it had Jake Roberts on it, and as a kid growing up, I absolutely love Jake Roberts. So I think that the one that's most memorable to me, and I didn't know it at the time, but now that I'm older and I've learned a little bit more about it, is definitely one that stands out to me. And it was when Jake Roberts had Honky Tonk Man and Jimmy Hart on the Snake Pit. Are you are you familiar with this? I I am familiar with it. Yes. So, for whatever reason, Jake and Honky were mouthing each other back and forth. Did you just say Honky? Oh, I said Honky. Is that PG? Um, it's PG. It's fine. Okay. It's um, for all of our Honkies that are out there listening. <laughs> uh, you know. Um, so he they were kind of fighting. They got into it, and you see Honky Tonk storm off the set. And he comes around from behind. He ends up cracking Jake Roberts in the head with a guitar. Jake hits like the cauldron, falls down like a sack of potatoes. Now, what about that isn't, you know, there's nothing about that that I guess really seems that odd, except for the fact that you look at the guitar shot, and years later you would find out that it wasn't a gimmicked guitar and what we mean by that is it wasn't a balsa wood guitar that would just explode on impact like most of the guitars do in uh, wrestling. So that was an actual fiberglass guitar that no one had rigged prior to the, um, the, the snake pit. So in a lot of videos that Jake has said, he attributes a lot of his drug use to that moment because <laughs> he got hit so hard with that guitar, he uh. like slipped a couple discs in his back and started working altered state because he was in so much pain. Wow. So, uh, you know, it maybe is not the most memorable interview segment, but it's definitely something that happened on an interview segment that I was just, it, it, yeah. it's such a memorable thing. Yeah. And you bring, I mean, you bring up a good point, like memorable things that have happened on these, these so-called segments, you know what I mean? Uh, they're, they're, they're interviews within the show. I mean, you can even go back to Piper's pit. You said that was the most famous. I think this next moment was probably one of the most famous, uh, is when Piper cracked Jimmy Snooker over the head with a coconut. 
Um, that probably was probably one of the biggest things to ever happen on a talk show. And it, all these talk shows usually end up with somebody fighting eventually. But you know what I mean? It, it's just amazing how we've come through the years to where, you know, these talk shows have been a, a staple. I, I keep saying that, and that's why I want I want to reinforce it because you know when you look at pro wrestling, you always look at these famous talk shows, uh, the Brother Love Show, Piper's Pit. Um, you know, so many things have happened on each show where they've had weddings on them. I, I believe right? I could be wrong, but I mean the weddings, the barber shop. Uh, you know, the breakup of the Rockers. That's another big moment. I, every time I think of another person's show, I think of that one moment that probably cemented that show show's legacy in in, in its history. You know what I mean? Uh, let's talk about those two. What are your What are your thoughts on Piper's Pit with the coconut? And uh, maybe talk a little bit about the barber shop and uh, our our friend Marty Janetti going through the barber shop window. Now, I, I definitely think that those are two of the most iconic talk show things, and I think we're seeing like a reoccurring theme. To be a memorable talk show, someone has to get like busted open with a uh, you know a coconut. They have to get hit over the head with um, you know what, anything. Highlight reel with Jericho. He sent uh, Shawn Michaels through the the TV, the Jeritron Five Thousand. Uh, but the barbershop and Piper's Pit were two of the most iconic, and for different reasons. Piper was an amazing talker, and he's one of the best in the business. And he would go on there and pretty much just say whatever he wanted. And most of what I remember about Piper's Pit are the things that he would say on there. And he said certain things that back then were um, – well, they weren't PC back then. but they, Controversial in a way. Yeah, they're, they're definitely not PC now. Um, the whole thing with Jimmy Snuka, he was basically making fun of – you know, Samoan people and making fun of the women and said that they're shaped like a pineapple and it got Jimmy going and then he uh, cracked him over the head with a uh, with a coconut. So I think that that moment, but one of my favorite things that he's ever said is you do not throw rocks at a man who has a machine gun. <laughs> and that doesn't really even make sense. <laughs> But he said it with such conviction, and it was Rowdy Piper, and he said, once again, when RP talks, brother, people listen. So uh, I think that that was just a way to not only get people over that were guests on his show, but just to cement that Rowdy Piper was just untouchable when he was on Piper's Pit. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, some of some of these shows out there, I mean, even, uh, you know, you even have like The Peep Show, uh, Ms. TV, uh, you know... Uh, the, the highlight reel. Uh, there's so many like new ones out there. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, but I mean, there's so many. The, the uh, you know they, these shows have just been you know uh, throughout the years, and I like I love them when they bring them back. You know, like the. I mean, like, when they bring, as you would say, RP, uh, the Piper's Pit, back uh, later on in life after you know. Mr. Piper has been aged a few. Uh, you know, having him do that is is vintage uh, talk show stuff. I don't even know how to put it, but uh, it, it's great to see the old ones back. But do you remember some of the ones that probably just didn't really hit the note with you? Uh, I mean, some of the to- some of them I can think of is like Matt Stryker's Classroom, uh, the Abraham Washington Show. Uh, some of these, I mean, like they were show they were talk shows kind of, but. I just didn't. They didn't really have the same effect as some of the bigger ones, like the Barbershop, Piper's Pit, uh, Brother Love Show, all that stuff back in back in the day. Um, any ones that you just didn't really like, or you think just didn't really have that flair of some of these bigger ones? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say that 
in recent years, the Carlitos Cabana, it was good. You know, Carlito was, they were trying to use him to, to get over and every now and then there was a, a good segment here or there, but um, that one really didn't do a lot for me. And also maybe just because I didn't see a lot of this one whenever I was growing up, but I've seen it now, you know, throughout the years, but the flower shop with Adrian Adonis, I, I wasn't, I know that there was a, a, um, iconic moment on there when once again Roddy Piper went crazy and just like destroyed the set. But other than that, I don't remember a lot about uh, the flower shop. I think it in theory was good, and Adrian Adonis had so much like heat as adorable Adrian Adonis that so it, anything that they did with him was going to be ridiculous. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I agree with you. Matt Stryker's classroom was good in the sense that he could kind of it was, but it was mainly, I guess, in for Matt Stryker putting himself over or getting heat on him. So no. I don't, I don't necessarily think that that was as successful as some of the other ones. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I mean, out of the, a lot of, a lot of these old shows, I always have those little vivid memories of, uh, uh, even like Piper taking fire extinguishers and putting them in people's faces, and I don't care who you are, I'd, I'd totally be pissed off if like I was the guy in return and I didn't expect it, and I just got like a, a fire extinguisher in my face, whether it's fake or not, it's still gonna piss you off. Oh, absolutely. There's <laughs> just and, and like we said, I think that the whole idea behind it was to try to get people invested in not only the person that they were that was hosting the show but also the the people that were on the show and i'll tell you right now um i'm a huge Shawn michaels fan i always have been when he was on the barbershop and the rockers broke up it was like the the only thing i can liken it to is i guess team jacob and team edward on twilight <laughs> Before there was a Twilight, you had to pick Team Genetti or Team HBK. And even though I've always been on Team HBK, whenever I saw him put Genetti through the barbershop window, I like it was a part of me died that day. And uh, that may be a little dramatic, but it's the absolute truth. And you know, then there's this whole big buildup about is Genetti going to come back, and and all this stuff was going on. But they could have never done that with such flair unless it was done on one of those segments. If it was just done in the ring, I don't think people would have cared about it as much. But the graphic that you see all the time is when, you know, he throws them right through the window, or he super kicks them, then throws them through the window, and Jannetty's bleeding. I mean, it was just so powerful. Hell, there's even a T-shirt store right now called The Barbershop Window where you could buy wrestling T-shirts. Like, what a great name. You know, it stuck around so much. People named their own damn store after the show. Yeah, I, I think that you've got in, – in this day and age, they don't really do this a lot. You just had the cutting-edge peep show. It was the first one ever um, where you had Edge and Christian doing a, you know interview-type segment. But the iconic ones like Piper's Pit, um, like the highlight reel, those always make a comeback around you know WrestleMania season or whenever they're trying to do something to get – to once again, get a, a talent over. So they had – who did they have on Piper's Pit the last time they did? They had Rusev on there. So, I mean, I think there's some lasting effects of just being associated with that. And it's a pretty cool thing, just like we said we had our names introduced by Fink. You can say, I was one of maybe 
50 wrestlers that were was on a Piper's Pit, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I mean, that's what's great about this. I know we're talking about some of our favorites or some of the most memorable talk shows out there. Uh, if you guys are listening to us right now, feel free to tweet us on Twitter at a wrestling POD. Let us know your thoughts. What's your favorite talk show now, past or present, whatever, um, or Facebook us, whatever you guys want to do. You know we're out there. Just send us a message and let us know what, uh, what you guys, you know, when we say wrestling talk show, what's one that comes to your mind or maybe any fam- favorite moments on it. Um, our guest coming up, the brother love show had some memorable moments on it because he managed the undertaker, but then, he decided he had no money. He didn't have enough time for it, so he he introduced Paul Bearer on his show, and that's when Paul Bearer and the Undertaker became, uh, I don't know, became one, I guess, if you will. Uh, so uh, that's another memorable moment to where I think I don't know how long he managed him. It was like probably like what, like a day. A few people managed the Undertaker. It was like DiBiase he came in with, and then he was with Brother Love for I don't know a few weeks. Who knows? Uh, but then you know, then that's when Paul Bearer came on his show and. That, that's when the two were, were paired together. So, uh, you know, there's little things like that that you kids out there listening may or may not know. So uh, check it out on the WWE Network. I'm sure it's up there, right? Yeah. Or, or YouTube. I mean, hey, it's uh, it's 2015, so. Come yeah, on. I mean, come <laughs> You'll you'll find it. Just type it in somewhere, and you'll you'll find it. <laughs> Definitely, and I mean that's the thing. I mean, uh, we'll we'll have to ask uh, Bruce in a little bit, a little bit about the Brother Love Show. See what he has to say. But uh, you know, hey guys, just let us know uh, uh, what you think about these talk shows. And I I think I think we see uh, Brother Love. I mean Bruce Pritchard walking in right now. Let's uh, let's let's bring him in. guest today. He spent time in front of and behind the camera helping create some of professional wrestling's greatest moments. Please welcome our guest, none other than Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, thank you. Hey, thank you. You guys for having me on, man. Look forward to it. No problem. Uh, so tell us a little bit about Let's get right into it because uh, we have a few things to, to get under to, to tell the fans about. Uh, you and Eric Bischoff are going to be having an autograph signing on the 24th in Queens, New York at the Wrestling Universe. On the 25th? No, no. We're going to be 25th in Philadelphia. Oh, Philadelphia. Yeah, that we had that next. So we thought we were doing a signing too, but that's the big deal, right? The big oh, the wait a minute. Debate. Hey, you know what? We are doing a signing, so thank you for correcting me, correcting you. <laughs> That's so before the big debate. I was all ready to cut you off, man, and, and you guys saved the day. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, well, just a little plug for the signing. But, yeah, more importantly, uh, the great debate we're having of between you and Eric Bischoff, moderated by Chris Jericho. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and what uh, maybe the fans can, t- can expect. Well, this is something that I don't think has ever been done before. And the way this all came about was it's simply whenever Eric Bischoff and I get together and we sit down, we have a couple of uh, adult beverages and people start talking about, Hey, you remember back in the day, you remember back in the wars when, when we did this and you did that. 
And everybody, you know, always has their own opinion and as to what happened and how it happened, if you will. And Eric and I were there. We were on different sides. So he'll he'll answer one way, and I'll usually answer completely the opposite. Well, no, that's not the way it happened because it happened differently from my point of view. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily that either one's right or either one's wrong. It's just we saw everything going on from two completely diverse viewpoints. Mm-hmm. And um, it would, you know, we would have some healthy arguments, and, and it became informative, actually, for one another. You know, this is back to the point, like, okay, why did you do this then? Or, okay, well, when we did this and you did that, what, what was your thought process behind that? Then we started to think, you know, wouldn't it be neat if people could ask us questions about those times to see what was the rationale behind some of the things that the WWF at the time did? And what was the rationale behind WCW when Eric did at the time? Mm-hmm. Damn, sounds pretty interesting. And uh, we threw the idea out there, and um, seems to be some interest in it. So we're gonna we're gonna give it a shot there in Philadelphia and see what comes out. I don't really know what to expect, but I'm looking forward to it. All right. Now we uh, we know obviously it's going to be you and Eric talking. Um, is there anything that you'd like to get out uh, right now to Eric? So if he's listening, he can kind of get prepared. Is there anything that you really want to find out from him? Well, you know the the unique thing about this is, and we hope to do more of these. Okay? This is our first one uh, in Philadelphia on the 25th, and we hope to do more across the country. I'm not looking so much at it as to what I'm want to get out of it, I'm looking at it as what the audience wants to get out of it. Because you had a lot of people watching both both shows at the time. And there were a lot of what ifs and there were a lot of whys that never truly got answered. So it's not necessarily what what either Eric's looking to get out of it or I'm looking to get out of it. Hopefully we're going to be able to answer a lot of those questions that the audience is been wondering all these years that they never got an answer to. And that's what we're looking for. And the other thing about it is, is there's not really, we're not going to have a set agenda per se, other than kind of a debate formula with Chris Jericho being the moderator and trying to to keep the, keep the boat in the water, so to speak. But we're looking for every show to be different. We're looking to, to, to kind of build off of whatever the audience interest is and kind of take it from there. Definitely. And now what are, what are your thoughts too? I know you said about Chris Jericho briefly, but uh, you know, he just came in on this and uh, how do you, how do you think he's going to do as a moderator uh, between both of you? You think we'll, we'll keep it neutral or what? I think, I think it's going to be great personally because I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Chris was on both sides mm-hmm. of, of the war when both sides were doing great. So he was with WCW when WCW was overtaking the WWF. And then he was with the WWF when they were overtaking WCW. So Chris, in and of himself, has a very unique perspective. And add to that the simple fact that when we announced that we were going to do this show, Jericho called us wanting to be a part of it wow. and asking how he could help and if there's anything he could do. And... And we said, yeah, man, let's let's put it on your show. Let's help us get it out there. And in doing so, Chris was like, God, yeah, I'm going to be in Philadelphia. I'd love to be a part of this. 
And um, I kind of took him up on that. <laughs> there you go. And we would love to have you, man. Come on <laughs> down. And, and, and he agreed to do it, which I just, his level of enthusiasm and and just sheer desire to be a part of it, it blew me away, man. I loved it. So that was, that in and of itself was pretty neat. So he's, he's coming prepared. He's coming loaded for bear. And uh, we'll see what happens. Now, it sounds like a great event. Um, for those of you who are wondering how you can find out more about this, you can go on rfvideo.com. And um, I know that it's not going to be recorded. So if you are in the area, you need to be there in person because that's the only way you're really going to find out about about this event. Um, yeah, but, and again, it's, gonna be, it's all going to be with audience participation. You've got a question you want to ask? Come and ask him, man. We're not going to duck anything. All right. Now, um, we're going to come back to that here in a little bit. Um, we're just going to talk to you about a few uh, a few things. But um, now, you grew up in Texas, which was obviously like a huge hotbed for professional wrestling. Um, what were your earliest memories of professional wrestling? My earliest, earliest memories were of the Funk Brothers out of Amarillo because I lived in El Paso at the time. I was born in El Paso. And saw the Amarillo television, which was uh, the Funks, Dory and Terry Funk. So my early, early, early uh, influence were the Funks, um, Ricky Romero, Harley Race, the Infernos, Jason Dykes and the Infernos, guys like that. Names that, you know, probably a lot of your viewers are going, huh? Who? <laughs> um, but th- those were the first guys that. Uh, that I remember and, and we, we moved to Houston where Paul Bosch was the promoter and it became Wahoo McDaniel, Johnny Valentine, Jose Lothario and guys like that. So those are the, the early formative years, late sixties, early seventies. Sure. Now, uh, did you ever have like a plan B once you started working in the wrestling business or do you guys ever think about that when you, when you start working in, uh, in wrestling? What do you mean oh, by, by a plan? I mean, Hell, if, I didn't have a plan A. But. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe like, hey, if I'll try this wrestling thing out. If it doesn't work, I'm definitely going to go do this later on. Maybe I don't know. I I think if you were to ask anyone that's known me um, when I was a kid, I had one track mind. I was going to be in wrestling come hell or high water. There was nothing that was going to stop me, and I, I no, I, I never had a plan B. It was, I worked for it. I, I worked towards it and every opportunity that I had, I exploited to the nth degree just to be able to be in the wrestling business. I loved it. Uh, as a kid, I loved it. Uh, I love it now. And it was just a true passion. So, um, unfortunately, you know, in some ways I, I kind of wish I had plan B sometimes, but I don't know that I would have been able to do the things that I did if I thought I had a backup or if I thought I, well, I'll just go on and do something else. Mm-hmm. Only having that plan A and working towards it, that drive was there to succeed no matter what. Mm-hmm. Now, um, did you, your, your brother, um, Tom Pritchard wrestled actually, um, when you both kind of got into the business, he was a little bit older than you, but did you ever wish that you were actually wrestling or were you happy doing the, all the other stuff you got to do? No, I always wanted to be a wrestler. I had, you know, um, Tom, man, Tom's a stud. 
and Tom was natural, and I know I'm a little prejudiced here, man, but Tom was excellent, and a great, great worker, great, great talent. I didn't have that gift, and I would love to have wrestled. Um, my, you know, if you want to call it, if you want to call mine a gift, um, I landed in the office. I had bad knees and landed in the office, and Paul Bosch, the promoter here in Houston, told me from the time I was like 16 years old, you want to be on this side. And um, that was a side that I chose. I And I never got out. I loved it because by being able to be in the office and later on being able to be a part of the creative process, you get to be everybody. You don't just have, you're not just playing one character. You're not just doing, you're worrying about your own thing. You get to, you get to worry about everybody and everything. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot more fun. All right. Now, uh, growing up, who, uh, were there some guys that you idolized, you know, uh, watching it as a, maybe as a young fan? Oh, the, you know, the Funks, the Briscoes, they, they just were, uh, I don't know if there, there were any better. To watch, you know, to watch a guy like Jack Briscoe in the ring was, it, it was magic to me. You know, same, same thing with Dory. He and Dory could do more in an hour without doing anything than anybody had ever seen in my life. <laughs> you know, nowadays, if you were to go back and watch some of those matches, some of these kids would look at it and say, well, they're not doing anything. <laughs> and not understand the psychology and, and what was put into that particular match and how every single thing that they did in ring meant something. Everything they did was another chapter in the story. Mm-hmm. And it drew you in. It, it, it just, watching the Briscoes, man, watching the Funks, Johnny Valentine, ah, oh, unbelievable. Wally McDaniel, they beat the hell out of each other. And it was it was just exciting as a kid to be able to engulf, you know, and just be a part of that. It was great. Yeah. Now, um, we're going to skip forward a little bit, but you were eventually brought into the WWF at the time, WWE now. Um, what were your initial thoughts of Vince McMahon and the WWE when you were brought up there? Well, from where I came from in, in Houston and working with Bill Watts in, in the Mid-South, and so many guys that had come through, there, there was such a prejudice, if you will, towards those damn Yankees up in the uh, Northeast and, <laughs> and that evil Vince McMahon. Um, that for all I knew, you know, before I went in there, that, uh, you know, Vince um, spit fire and, <laughs> and was this just horrible human being. And, and then you meet him. And you're around him, and all of the things that I had heard, I, I kept, you know, I kept waiting for the shooter drop, and and it never did. I, he was really good to me. Um, he gave me opportunities that I'm not sure that a lot of people ever would have given a kid my age at the time. Um, and I, I can't say enough good things about him. It was it was a great ride. It really was. It was, it was a hell of a run. Sure. But he didn't live up to the he didn't live up to that negative stereotype, the negative picture that had been drawn for me for so many years. And I, you know, there was a part of me that was terrified 
to go up north mm-hmm. because again, the, all the rumors that you hear and and uh, and you got up there and was a bunch of people doing business and working together to make the best product that they possibly could. All right, now, uh, your persona, Brother Love, was uh, pretty controversial at the time. Uh, were you or WWE ever contact, contacted by any evangelists during your run as Brother Love? No, not any evangelists. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there were, you know, there, there were quite a few, uh, quite a few people that didn't particularly care for the character who felt that it was blasphemous. Mm-hmm. Well, I am tongue-tied. I've been doing these all day, and. and uh, <laughs> They, they, they felt that uh, that I was making fun of religion. But if you go back and you really examine what Brother Love did, what he said, I never touched on religion. I, I didn't go there. But I went all around it, I guess. If, if you chose to, you know, when people really examine deep down inside what they think of, of organized religion and what they think of these preachers that get on TV and they do everything but religion, but they can think of a hundred different ways in 10 minutes to ask you to send money in. And I just would sit there and I would analyze these guys and the sheer hatred that, <laughs> that I had for them helped develop this character. And it was so easy because all, all you had to do was just be a phony. Okay. Now, um, Brother Love was so hot at the time that he landed you on the January 1989 cover of WWE magazine. Was that a surprise to you? I, I think it holds the record for the least amount <laughs> of magazines ever sold. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> a part of, you know, part of me was surprised, but also at the same time, it, it was what was happening. And, and uh, the character was hot and they didn't often put, heels on the cover of the magazine and, and it was to be something different. So, uh, I mean, it was a huge honor for me. Uh, hell, I got a hell of a kick out of it. I've got, I've got the magazine framed up on my wall here somewhere. <laughs> now, n- now years later, obviously you would be immortalized with your very own action figure. Um, which one of those felt like a bigger accomplishment for you? Action figure. Awesome. I just, uh, that, that just tickled me to death that, uh, I, it's just, it, I thought that was cool. <laughs> you know, it's kind of one of those things that, that you look at and go, hey, wow, man, I got an action figure. <laughs> That's also on my wall, too. So, <laughs> I mean, hey, go figure. Now, uh, other but than... I thought that was cool. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, you know what, though? I mean, hang on. I'm going to actually sure. backtrack here, just a little bit. Sure. I was in Hong Kong in 1990, I guess. And, and seeing myself on the magazine rack in Hong Kong in in a, in a WWF magazine, that was a that was a kick too. That was just being able to walk down the street and go, "Hey, wait a minute, that's me." <laughs> that was pretty cool. But uh, okay, back to your original question. Yeah, the action figure. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, other than your on-screen role for the WWF, were there uh, any other duties that you had uh, working with them? Did I did it all, soup to nuts. Um, so I mean, I, when I was done love, I also was producing television shows and and working behind the scenes, helping out in, in any you know any and every which way there was. Um, if there was something to be done, I did it. And 
I love doing it. I mean, it's like I said, I, I love every aspect of it. And to be able to be behind the scenes as well as in front of the camera, I mean, I had the best of both worlds. Now, you you spent 22 years working for the WWE, um, and a lot of that time you spent doing things creatively, working with creative. Um, and sometimes you get maybe um, saddled with the responsibility of bad gimmicks or bad characters or whatever, but were there anything that you pitched that you really got behind that you wanted to create, either a character or a gimmick, that just never happened? Hmm... Like, is there another? Um, is there like a, a another clown out there somewhere, or another uh, man mountain rock that we don't know about? God, I hope there's not another man mountain rock. Uh, <laughs> nah, it was. Uh, you, you know, you have to try things to see if they're going to work or not. Yeah, I mean, who, you know, who knew on <laughs> Um, and some things that you thought were going to be a huge hit, it just didn't work. Um, let me, well, that's a tough one. I, mean, I don't think I've ever been asked that before. Um, sometimes there were things that we wanted to do in portraying a character or bringing a character out that we didn't always get to realize. And sometimes things were cut short before I, I'm, I'm of the old school that I like to see things develop some kind of slowly and logically. And it was frustrating sometimes when we would rush things because it, it wasn't hitting at that exact minute. And it's like, well, we got to do this. And we got to do this. We got to do this quick. And there were probably a few of those, but to have any particular, um, I can't really think of one right off the top of my head that I'd say, ah, oh, well, we wanted to do this, and, and it didn't work. Um, there's a lot of stuff that didn't work, That's, but I, I I don't really know off the top of my head. Okay. Now, uh, you, you know, you were with the WWE during some of its most infamous moments, including the, the Montreal Screwjob, the Attitude Era, and the Monday Night Wars. Uh, out of those three, do you think... Is it the most important? Which one do you think is the most important in the world of pro wrestling? I would say the Monday Night Wars, which, which led into the Attitude Era, mm -hmm. because it it changed the industry in so many ways. We it put an emphasis on live television. It put an emphasis on on the arena concept and and really putting your best product out there live and, and having that unpredictable aspect of it. So, without a doubt, I would say that the the war, if you want to call that, was probably the turning point. Hey, now, you um, obviously are aware that the WWE Network just put out a series called The Monday Night War, which basically goes through the entire ratings war between WCW and WWE. Um, how much yeah. did your, your job change during that time frame versus the rest of the time you were there? I know that there was, you know, like in the early 90s, it was kind of slower than obviously what it was during that time. So was it just insane backstage? What was the feeling like back then? Well, when we finally went live live every every week, the, the atmosphere is a lot more electric. Uh, I love live television because anything can happen, and we had a philosophy that um, – 
you know, if anything went wrong, it was supposed to go wrong. You know, it was supposed to happen because we're live. You can't screw up live television. No matter what happens, it was supposed to happen. So that's what I loved about uh, that time because you, you just were out there. You were out there without a net. It wasn't if somebody screwed up or something didn't work, well, we can fix it in post. There was no post. You were out there live. You deliver or you get out. And it had a uh, it had an effect on the talent too because they, they I think that they performed better when they were live and under the gun. So it, it's the, the whole atmosphere, the whole attitude, which is where the attitude era came from. It, it, it changed. It just became a little bit more frenetic. Uh, now, the Brother Love Show, which was probably one of the most memorable talk show style segments in wrestling history, uh, other than your own segments, uh, was there any ones that were, you know, any of your favorite uh, that you had on your show? Any any guests or any times that were, you know, very memorable for you? The, the first time um, that I had Hulk Hogan on, um, and again, those were, the, those were the glory days when there's nobody hotter than Hogan. And we were doing something just to see, just to see if there was any chemistry there. Mm-hmm. And we did it. We did a little segment in, in the ring um, at a TV. And it was, I mean, I remember just having goosebumps from head to toe because it was just so electric and magical. So um, Hulk was always a favorite. Jake, please. Uh, I could go two hours with Jake talking. Um, love Jake. Um, let's see, Hogan. There's a lot of them, but, but those are the guy, kind of guys that stick out. Anybody that could battle verbally back and forth, I loved. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved it. And when Piper, oh, can't leave Roddy out because uh, I stole so much from him <laughs> that, uh, you know, I loved working with him. And, and, and I loved the fact that we would talk about nothing. So we knew what we needed to do. We knew what we needed to get over. And we just went out and did it. I never knew what was coming out of his mouth. <laughs> For a real. <laughs> I never knew what was going to come out of his mouth. And, and, and him, me. So we we worked off of that, and, and I think he enjoyed it. I know I did because it was it was just that un- unpredictability that that he thrived on. So yeah, you, Piper was great too. You also had a pretty mean Piper impersonation, if I remember correctly, too. Yeah, he didn't like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, now, one of my that, favorite. Brother, brother, love moments of all time was in uh, 2001, and I'm pretty sure you know where I'm going with this. WrestleMania 17, the gimmick battle royal. Um, oh, how, how did you get? Invo- how did you get involved with that? Boy, you got me. Um, that's that's kind of one of those I might have I might have left the room to go to the bathroom, and I'm not kidding about <laughs> this either. Um, and, and came back and looked at the names on the gimmick battle royal. You know. What the hell is he doing in there? <laughs> and uh, and I just thought everybody was kidding at first, and before I knew it, it was here. And and that was I mean, you talk about a thrill to be in WrestleMania in your hometown, um, seventy thousand plus people setting a record in the Astrodome, 
Yeah, that was a little kick in the ass. That, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of those high points. All right. Now, uh, as we said uh, earlier, you, you were with the WWE for a long time, but after leaving the WWE, uh, you went to work for Dixie Carter and TNA. Uh, what did you expect when you got there, and uh, were your expectations met, or did they fall flat? I didn't expect anything. I didn't... Um, when, when I left WWE, I didn't watch anything for almost a year, a little over a year. And... I I started watching back again and, and I watched both products and I didn't I didn't know a lot of the guys either. It was it was a young young group and I know obviously Hogan and Bischoff and and those guys, but I didn't um I didn't know a lot of their homegrown talent. And it just went in with an open mind and there's a lot of good young talent there. But it was it was a completely different environment than what I'd been used to. It was, it was just a whole different, it was a different business, a whole different game. Mm-hmm. Now, you, uh, like you mentioned, you worked with some pretty infamous names, uh, Hogan, Bischoff. You also worked with Vince Russo. Now, obviously, I don't know him personally or even at all, but he gets a lot of people's uh, blood pumping. Um, did you get along with Vince, or was he? is he somebody that you don't get along with either? No, I always got along with Vince. I didn't have a problem with Vince. You know, he he's opinionated. He's got his own uh, ideas about the way he thinks things should be. But so am I. So, <laughs> you know, we 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 got along on that level because I let him have his opinions and he let me have my opinions, and we met somewhere in the middle. But it's everybody that you meet in this business. They're all going to be hopefully in come out with the best product, you don't want 10 people sitting around a table that all have the exact same ideas and the exact same way of doing things. Because you, then you don't need nine of them. So when you have people with, with different, completely different viewpoints and completely different ideas, it makes people think and it makes you defend your ideas that much more. And it makes you... But doing that, it, it makes you... See if they make sense or not. Because now you got to convince somebody. And if you can convince them and win them over, then maybe you're going to be able to convince an audience and get an audience interested in what you want to portray. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Vince, smart guy, and, uh, you know, he does his thing. I think that Vince enjoys that polarity that he has and and wants to play that up as, as being the swerve king and all that. I... It's, uh, I was usually the guy that wanted to stay in the background and I didn't want to, I didn't want anybody to come <laughs> and know who I was, so to speak. And I know that sounds crazy coming from me and <laughs> with the characters I portray, but the reality was I could literally walk into an arena back in the day without my brother love makeup on and no one knew who I was. I could perform, walk out of that same arena and no one knows, no one knew who I was. Mm-hmm. So I, I like the anonymity of, of of that character. But back to Russo, you know, I mean, hey, he he was a guy that had different different ideas that got Vince McMahon's ear, and uh, was able to parlay that into into what it was, and into some really good television at the time. 
Sure. Now, uh, we mentioned the Monday Night Wars earlier. Uh, we just talked about Vince Russo also. Uh, now, Vince Russo has taken more than his fair share of credit over the years for creating uh, stuff that happened in the Attitude Era. And, you know, going back to your great debate coming up on uh, January 25th with Eric Bischoff and Chris Jericho, uh, have you ever, you know, spoken to, to Vince about, you know, uh, st- some of the stuff that's happened in the Attitude Era? Uh, I mean... The stuff going on backstage, I mean, he's, like I said, he's taken a lot of credit for a lot of stuff that's happened. Would you agree with a lot of uh, the things that happened were his ideas, or, or are they pretty much, you know, a, a collection of sorts? The, you know, the, the bottom line is, and, and, and everybody that I've talked to lately, we've all had the same question. It's a simple, very simple fact. There's one guy in the WWE who makes the decision, who's going to make the final decisions. And everything goes through him. <laughs> so his last name is McMahon. <laughs> the other Vince, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so whatever, whatever ideas, it, it can go. It can go from George Scott in the early '80s to Pat Patterson to me and Pat to Vince Russo to Brian Gortz to Michael Hayes to everybody else. Okay, we all had great ideas. We all had some pretty bad ideas too. But Vince McMahon would take those ideas and take those and, and filter them, and he's the one that made the decision what was going to be on and how it was going to be portrayed and how it was going to be presented. So, again, I, you know, I guess if you're in that role and you want to take credit, you can to an extent, but the fact of the matter is, is that none of it would have gotten on the air had Vince McMahon not been behind it, supported it, and tweaked it. That's what he does. That's what he does to this day. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's much that simple. Now, obviously you're known for WWE and uh, you're staying TNA. Would you be willing to go back to work for any of them or work for a different wrestling company today? Sure. Is Without there, um, now with the advent of, you know, the internet and all this stuff, there's a lot of more gritty uh, company. You know, there's Lucha Underground. There's a lot of independent promotions that are actually starting to get TV time and stuff. Um, Ring of Honor, to name uh, one. Is there one that you've had your eye on before that you thought you'd like to try your hand at? Or, Well, I mean, currently I'm working with the Reality Wrestling here in Houston, which is Booker T's organization. Mm-hmm. And he's got a school here in town. He's got... Uh, just a whole roster of great kids that are going through a school, but he just he just recorded his fiftieth television show huh. on Saturday night, and I've been working with him, and I've been working with him with the kids at school and and at TV and everything, and I, I've never seen a better from bottom to top group, independent group, if you will, than what he's got. And he's got some very promising talent there. And and it's just so, for me, as I left uh, Saturday night, I just thanked him for allowing me to be a part of it because it's young talent that want to be in the business, that want to learn, that come in with without a preconceived idea of what they think it should be. And get to work with them and, and just see what happens on the other side. I'm having a blast. But it's, it's some good, hungry, young talent. He's got some guys, um, uh, Pro Wrestling Society, 
believe that's what it's called, uh-huh. up in Jersey. A couple guys had come down uh, from there, uh, Mario, Bacara, and Fala, that are unbelievable talents. They're going to be, you give them a few years, yeah, they're going to be in the show. Mm-hmm. Booker just introduced two new talents on Saturday night. Again, you got a couple of kids out there that are 19, 20 years old. A couple of years, they're going to be they're going to be in the show. <laughs> so that's exciting to me. I love, I just love that aspect of the business and seeing these guys when they're first coming up and is a uh, grill monsoon. You say, they don't know shit from Shinola and, and watch them develop the stars. All right. Now, uh, on Twitter, we've uh, we've seen that you've teased that there may be a book in the works. Is there anything maybe you could tell us about uh, this or the upcoming project, maybe? Man, I had been writing a book for a while. <laughs> and I, I get to these points where I just stop writing, and I, and I go back and I read, and, I, and then I start tweaking. And I have to learn to leave it alone, I guess, um, because I end up tweaking more and I feel like I just get further and further behind. But the concept behind it, the idea behind it is simply to tell stories. And it's a feel-good book. It's not a tell-all. It's not a, um, you know, I was, I was born in know, <laughs> You know, it's not that. It's, uh, it's little stories like talking about... Um, Paul Bosch finding religion and, and how these, how, how these little episodes and stories, you know, I'll give you an example. It, it's Paul Bosch found religion was born again, Christian inviting me to hear his testimony. Let me give you the reader's digest version. <laughs> and we go out to this Baptist church in Sugarland, Texas. And Paul gives his testimony and it's emotional. And he's talking about everything that he, he was doing in world war two and ducking bullets and this, that, and the other thing. And, and at the end of the uh, the deal, they ask everybody to come down, and, and the preacher gets up, the minister of the church gets up, and he tells a story about how he was on a hunting trip with six other ministers, and they were up in the mountains, and they came upon, they were on this road, and they came upon a sheep that had stepped in a hole and broken its ankle. And the rest of the flock, left the sheep on the side of the road to die because he couldn't continue. He couldn't, he couldn't roam with the flock. He was unable to. He had a broken ankle. But the Lord Jesus Christ, he will not leave you on the side of the road with a broken ankle. He will pick you up and keep you with his flock no matter what. And so they're telling this story and everything, and, and the next day Paul comes into the office and he sits down at, across from my desk and the end of the day and asked me, uh, he said, so what'd you think of the presentation last night? I said, well, it was interesting. So well, did you learn anything? I said, well, um, I, I have a question. And he gets really excited and he's like, cause he thinks, okay, Bruce is kind of getting into this. This is good. He's got a question about what went on. Maybe I can help him and bring him to the other side. And I said, well, you know, when that minister was telling the story about, you know, deer hunting and the, the sheep on the side of the road and the broken ankle and the flock and all that. Yes, yes, yes. So, my question is, 
where was God? Why wasn't he looking out after that poor little sheep on the side of the road and those deer that these guys were pointing guns at? <laughs> and he just gave me this disgusting look and got him and walked out. So, <laughs> I mean, and it's just kind of a collection of, of different, you know, things that have, uh, antidotes, if you will, that have, that have happened to me throughout the, the several many years in this business. Different. You meet a lot of different personalities, and, uh, and so just kind of a collection of short stories like that. All right. Well, uh, we hope that if you get this going, and you know, you can definitely come back on the show and let us know a little more about it. What is your favorite bad gimmick of all time? Hmm, Bastion Booger. Uh, do you have a favorite mini Vince McMahon story that nobody probably knows about, or I don't know? A mini Vince McMahon <laughs> <I know>. story? <laughs> Not like a miniature Vince McMahon, but a, a short, maybe a short Vince McMahon story. Uh, wow, I've got lots of those. Um, <laughs> I, wow. Um, or any funny moment? Well, okay, maybe. real yeah. quick. First, okay. The first, the first time Vince fired me, uh, <laughs> there, there was there was uh, we were in Mid South Wrestling, and Ernie Ladd was the booker. And Ernie Ladd was explaining to Bill Watts why why Vince was so successful. Is it? Like Bill, you look at him, and they, they, he's got Nikolai Volkov. He got the iron cheek. They're real. They're real, Bill. That's what Vince McMahon's doing. The man is a genius. The man, Vince McMahon, is a genius. He knows what he's doing. I'm telling Vince this story that you know, and, and so like we'd always something would happen, and the man, that man, Vince man is a genius. And so he calls me in to the office, to let me go the first time, and he's sitting there with the the other guy across the way, and, and he says, "Bruce, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I left out the most important part." <laughs> he goes, "The man, Vince man is a genius. He fired my ass. That man is a genius." And I always laughed because Ernie was talking about the man's genius, and he fired his ass. So Ben's ringing now. Ben's ringing. See how I screwed that up, you guys? Rush. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think you will be remembered most for in the world of wrestling? Probably brother love. Okay. Uh, I think it was the most, you know, the most out there and, and most visible. Uh, who do you, who do you think's the best talker in wrestling today? Today? Yeah, today. Because wow, I, I, yeah. I, I, I love, oh God, I love Bray Wyatt. Heyman is excellent. Um, Bray Wyatt, I, I, I just am mesmerized. I think he's tremendous. Hell of a future. Okay, and not it can be today, it can be of all time, whatever. Who is your favorite wrestler? My favorite is probably The Undertaker. Okay. Um, just because uh, I love the gimmick, love the work. And now uh, the big news today, uh, thoughts on the Macho Man finally getting inducted into the Hall of Fame? About time. (laughs) It is about time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he's uh, deservedly so. I'm glad he's finally going in. Now, absolutely. Um, Now, other than coming to see you, uh, Royal Rumble weekend in uh, Queens for the signing and at Philadelphia for the debate. 
Um, where can fans keep up with you today? Do you have? Are you? I know you're on Twitter, right? Mainly my Twitter and my Facebook, okay. but I don't I don't do a whole lot on Facebook just because uh, I just kind of like less than however many words I'm allowed on Facebook. <laughs> I can get in and get out. <laughs> I'm on Twitter, so I mean Twitter. Twitter's Twitter's the way to go. There's Pritchard to Twitter or whatever the hell. Then you know how to get there. Yes, <laughs> we got it. We got I'm it. an old fart. I just have it. <laughs> well, well, Bruce, we, we really appreciate your time and uh, for joining us today. We thank you. Guys, thank you very much, man. I, I had fun and uh, greatly appreciate you putting me on. And, and hope everybody comes out to the signing in Queens and comes on out to Philadelphia. Are you guys going to be there? Uh, we're going to actually be up here because uh, we're, we're a few hours away, but uh, we got some yeah. Royal Rumble stuff going on. We got planes <laughs> and cars, you know. I know. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much, though. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I greatly appreciate it as well. Wow. A lot coming from. Bruce Pritchard, former WWE creative member, former manager, former TNA uh, head of creative there as well. Uh, can't wait to find out a little bit more about what he and Eric Bischoff talk about on January 25th in Philadelphia, PA. Um, Steve, were you uh, surprised with some of this stuff that yeah. he had to say? Yeah, I mean, he, he's a great guy to talk to. I uh, hope we have him back on in the future. Uh, a, lot, a lot of informative things, things we probably didn't really know about. But, Jonathan, if, if you guys can't make it January 25th down to Philadelphia, I do kind of want to plug something that's happening January 25th that we're doing, and we hope all of you guys come out to because it's, uh, it's a little bit different for us, and uh, we're trying to take baby steps into the new year of... Uh, new endeavors, and uh, all these other things that are happening with us. And Jonathan, January 25th is not only Bruce Pritchard, Eric Bischoff, and Chris Jericho in Philadelphia for the Royal Rumble in this great debate, but January 25th in Poughkeepsie, New York, our home, we're going to be at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center. We're going to be at the Man Show. The WPDH presents the Man Show. Uh, we're bringing in... Thea Trinidad, formerly known as Rosita, from TNA. She was tag team champion, a women's tag team champion in TNA. Uh, we're going to have her at the Man Show. You guys have a little treat, too, because not only do you get to meet and greet Thea Trinidad, FKA Rosita, you guys get a special bikini top photo op with her from 12 to 3. So that's a little... little little treats for all you marks out there this is the first time ever she will be doing that so uh come out support our show because our show will be streaming live that day from the mid hudson civic center also it will be streaming live on wpdh.com so if you guys you know want to sponsor us you guys have a business or a company out there that wants a commercial to be heard in front of thousands of people up here in the tri-state area on wpdh.com let us know. Shoot us an email. Head on over to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. Email us at anotherwrestlingpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know that you want to be a sponsor. And hurry up because all the sponsors, we will give them commercials on our show. And we will also take your logo and put it on the backdrop for our lovely guest, Thea Trinidad, uh, during her photo shoot. So, hey, check us out January 25th. It's an all-day show. It's from 11 to 5, right before the Royal Rumble. Uh, make sure you come on out to Poughkeepsie. Come over. Say hi to us. If we're talking and doing our live show, come by say hi. Don't be afraid. Don't be shy. A lot of you people out there are socially afraid to say talk to people anymore. All you guys are too much into your iPhones 
and Facebook and Twitter that you guys don't know how to talk anymore. So please, Jonathan, you don't bite. I don't bite, right? Well. Okay, Jonathan uh, bites, uh, but uh, you can still say hi to us. Yeah, absolutely. And coming out, meet former Rosita. Um, Come talk to us. We're going to be, you know, who knows what's going to happen that day. Uh, We have a lot of stuff planned, but, um, you know, it's live, so anything can happen. That's right, guys. And more information on that, head over to our site. Head over to WPDH.com. There's, you'll, you'll see about the man show. We'll, we'll be talking about it. Uh, but, Jonathan, we just started this thing today. Well, not today. We started it. Um, but we had a big exclusive today uh, on our YouTube page. And that's how we're kind of going to channel some of these other interviews uh, to make sure you guys get up-to-the-date interviews from all your favorite wrestlers out there. And, Jonathan, uh, you, you were a big part of today, what happened. So, please... Tell the fans what uh, what what macho achievements you uh, achieved today. So yeah, absolutely. Today was an amazing day. Macho Man Randy Savage going into the Hall of Fame. We wanted to find out a little more information than what we got last night on WWE. So we spent the extra time and we talked to none other than Lanny Poffo, Randy Macho Man Savage's brother, and we found out some information that probably all of you want to know about his going into the Hall of Fame, were there some caveats about it? Also, who decided that Hulk Hogan was going to be inducting Macho Man Randy Savage? So you should get on there, youtube.com slash another wrestling pod, another wrestling POD. Um, we have a lot of exclusive interviews coming up, not to mention, um, not only that, we have Alex Porto. You may remember him as the pug in WWE. And we have a lot of videos, like Steve mentioned earlier, from the Hammerlock Awards on our YouTube page. That's right. I mean, we're, we're more than a website. We have a lot of media happening. Uh, we're more than a podcast, I should say. Uh, we talk. We videotape. Uh, I don't know. We, we, we write. We speak. We, do, we pretty much do it all. We are the Renaissance Men of the media world, the social media universe. That's what we're doing, guys, to bring you up-to-date interviews, exclusive stuff that's happening because we are just featured on foxnews.com with our macho man Lanny Poffo interview that we had today. Uh, It's blowing up the internet right now, so uh, check it out, guys. We're we're happening right now. We're we're all over. Uh, I guess the kids say that these days, right? We're happening? Is that cool? Well, I don't know about that. but um, (laughs) We're happening. We're happening, guys. Yeah. Hashtag happening. (laughs) The happening. Uh, Welcome to the happening. (laughs) Welcome to the wasteland of happening. Anyway, whatever. But guys, yeah, a lot of big things happening. Uh, A lot of exclusive interviews. But next week also, exclusively, as always, on our podcast, we're going to have another interview, Jonathan. And this interview, we may have to bring out the censor button because, well, she's from the South. She She may curse like a trucker. Um, but she's a great girl. She's a great woman. She's a. She's from Minnesota. She's not from the South. Well, any any anywhere an hour south of my house is pretty much the South. So oh my God, that's uh that's pretty much how I differentiate uh, people from the South. So, uh, but yeah, we have ODB ODB coming on the show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can you can not only sponsor us for the WPDH Man Show, but you can start. The fun that I you can help donate to the fun I just started. It's the Get Steve Credo a Map Fund, and uh, we'll be trying to help him not only with that, but getting him maybe a geography teacher. Um, yeah. Hey, you know, 
it's it's one of those things. Baby steps, guys. It's 2015. It's a new year, and uh, the. Fun- I have to say something real quick. Oh, okay. Um, it is the beginning of new year. It's 2015, and if you were out there, Steve and I, I hate to break the news to everybody. Uh, we're both spoken for, and that I know that makes a lot of you sad out there, but you can find a date. Credo. These this day and age, there's farmersonly.com. There is, you know, christianmingle.com. There's all these specific dating sites out there. And somebody had the wherewithal to go out there and create their own dating website specific to pro wrestling fans. That is right, Jonathan. Uh, it's a it's a I would say a revolutionary site for wrestling fans. Tagmeadate.com. Uh, exactly how it sounds. Tagmeadate.com, uh, where wrestling fans can meet other wrestling fans. And I believe it's their tagline is that wrestling night just became date night. Jonathan, isn't that right? Yeah, and you know, like we said, it's very revolutionary. There's no one that's done this before. So you need to get out there, and if you were even thinking, um, I don't know if I really want to do this right now or or whatever, the first month is free. There's no there's no reason not to try this. You can't be free, Jonathan. It's free. Exactly. I mean, we spent our smarks, spend enough money on wrestling and autographs and pictures. How can you pass up a free chance to meet the wrestling? Mm, fan of your dreams i didn't know what to say but i, I guess i said it that sounds yeah cool. that, i mean that was uh that was great that's great uh yeah guys check them out uh we're they're new and exciting they're brand new tagmeadate.com they got a kickstarter campaign uh they just have been released uh in canada and overseas uh so they're they're growing as well so if you Girls or guys out there are single and, you know, you want to find that special somebody who is also a wrestling fan, look no further than tagmeadate.com. Uh, Jonathan, too bad we can't go on the site, but uh, it's it's not for everybody. It's for the single, the single fans, the single marks out there, right? Yeah, I mean, it is a shame that we can't be on there, but I'm glad that there is other wrestling fans out there that are taking – Interest to create these new and exciting things, you know, if, if who would have thought that, you know, a year ago we would have started this journey. So I'd like to thank all of our people that, that paved the way for us, but these are some of the cool things that are happening nowadays, but be sure to get on there and uh, check it out. We want to thank you for listening today. We are an independent podcast. Every week we create something for you to listen to and it's absolutely free. We are a wrestling podcast for wrestling fans because after all, we are wrestling fans. If you enjoyed the show today, here are some ways you can help us out. First off, you can subscribe to our show on iTunes. While you're there, rate us and give us a good review. Why not? If you're looking for more AWP, then head on over to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com to find out more about upcoming guests and where we will be. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and buy an official AWP shirt from ProWrestlingTees.com slash Another Wrestling Podcast. We couldn't do the show without you. So tune in next week for <sighs> Another Wrestling Podcast. Another Wrestling Podcast.